Hey everyone, it's your host Matt from PI Perspectives. I uh, just want to thank everybody for tuning in and uh, making the show highly successful. We've had a great, great steady growth to the show. So I just wanted to say thanks to everybody. I really appreciate you guys tuning in. The feedback I'm getting is fantastic. I'm going to give you a little assignment today. I'm giving you a call to action. I need uh, folks to go out and share the episodes, like the episodes, give reviews on iTunes or wherever you're listening to the show if you have the ability to do so. It's really, really helpful for me in trying to get sponsors and, and drum up interest in the show. So I'm really trying to get the word out. Very encouraged at the growth rate so far. Thank you for that. It's very, very cool. I'm humbled. This has just been a great experience. I'd like to kick it up a notch now, though. So wherever you're listening to this podcast, just um, just like it, share it, give a review. It doesn't have to be a five-star review if you don't think I deserve it. But hey, if you think I do, that's pretty cool, too. Again, I'm really humbled and just uh, thank you for, for the support. Thank you for the feedback, the emails. Very encouraging. I got some great things planned coming up this year. And I just wanted to jump on real quickly and just say thank you. I think it's awesome. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the next episode of PI Perspectives. Leo Vrianides joins Matt today for this training episode. Leo is one of Matt's most long-term clients. They discuss mistakes investigators make when servicing the legal industry. Leo brings some great insight for those who want to offer their services to lawyers. This episode is brought to you by Satellite Investigations, New York's leading investigation company since 2005. You can also book Matt for your conference or event. Check out SatellitePI.com for more details. Now here's your host, private investigator, Matt Spare. And welcome to the next episode of PI Perspectives. I'm your host, Matt. We are doing another training episode today, but we're doing something a little different. Uh, instead of me blabbering on for about 35, 40 minutes on how to do something, I figured I'd have my dear old friend, attorney Leandros Rianides, come in and uh, we'll just talk shop on uh, what it's like to have that investigator-attorney relationship, some do's and don'ts, things that we've uh, worked on over the years that we've been doing business together. So welcome to the program, Leo. Hello there. Thank you. Like I said, you... We're my third client when I started business. I was introduced to you through one of the photography experts that I use, and we ended up having lunch together and decided, or you decided that, hey, I'll give this Matt guy a shot because uh, I, I literally had nothing going on at the time. What's been nice is you've kind of mentored me over the years. So you're not a, a, an investigator, but you essentially taught me how to be an investigator. So why don't we uh, just uh, go into a little bit about your background, how you got into law and how you ended up doing what you're doing. When I started law school, um, it, that wasn't my first choice of uh, career. I thought I would go to business school, but then I decided to go to law school. Um, I started working for a suite of attorneys, uh, some criminal defense guys, insurance defense guy, and also a personal injury attorney. What ended up happening there while I was in law school, I ended up being a paralegal, an investigator while I was going to law school. I went full-time, um, I was full working full-time and then law school at night. Right. And then when I graduated and started taking the bar, I went and started working for the personal injury guy who partnered up with another guy. And I ended up doing a lot of the investigation, early investigation on cases. Right. And that included going to scenes, taking photographs, taking measurements, getting down on the sidewalk to take a height, of, uh, a height differential in a sidewalk slab 
to you know investigating fire scenes right. and and those type of issues you know and i'll give you an example there was one case that i went to a scene of a fire where unfortunately three children were killed and the, the crux of the case was that the fire had skipped from one apartment to the other because the uh, metal door on the apartment the self-closing door into the the hallway malfunctioned and didn't close right. so i i went to the scene and uh it was cordoned off everything uh, was uh was wet from the firemen and i basically crossed the the barrier took some photographs looked for smoke detectors but the one thing that was missing was the door right so i snooped around the apartment a little bit and then up comes the super he says hey what are you doing in here and i said hey I represent the three kids. Can you help me out here? Right. He says, what could I do? I said, where is this door? We need to find this door. He says, oh, no problem. I've got it in the basement. Wow. So we went downstairs. I took photographs of it, tested the hinges, and of course, they didn't work. So then I reported back to my, my bosses at the time, right. and they were absolutely amazed that I was able to find the door and get the photographs that I needed to get, right. and it proved our case. Because wow. once we knew they had the door, they couldn't get rid of it. Yeah, they couldn't tell you it doesn't exist. Exactly. This house didn't have a door. Exactly, <laughs> no, exactly. Not but, you know, it's, it's all the nitty-gritty investigation at the beginning of the case that makes the case. Right. Without that case, we're in trouble. PI guys, without your statements, your photographs, your measurements, you're putting it get in an engineer or so on and so forth right if you don't do that up front you know you're not preparing your case properly you know it's kind of funny because i i followed this a similar path right so i ended up not going to law school but i was working for an attorney in-house and i was learning how to do the investigative work but i was also learning how to do the attorney work so i was doing the opposite right so i'm doing bill of particulars i'm doing notice of claims i'm learning the mechanics of how a lawsuit works um, so if I ended up going to law school, I'd, I'd do it. I just chose to do a different path. But it's interesting that we parallel like that. And you've worked all different types of firms, big firms, smaller firms, right? Well, yeah. Well, I first started out uh, the solo guys while I was in law school. And then eventually it was a two-man personal injury firm. And then I worked for a much larger firm where I became managing attorney of 18 lawyers. Right. And then eventually uh, went, uh, that firm turned to a smaller firm, about seven or eight lawyers. And then... Finally, in 2000, I decided it's time to open my own practice, and I did in Knockwood. I'm still here, solo years. practitioner. Right, right. 20 years this year. I guess. Exactly. 20 <laughs> years this year. Nice. I'll get you a nice anniversary present. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> Not the kind of jingles, the kind of folds, maybe. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we'll see. So we've been doing business for you know, about, about 15 years uh, along the way. And you know, like I mentioned earlier, you know, one of the things that I really appreciate is um, the correction, right? So we would have these discussions after we start doing the work and, and it, it would start off like, hey, you did it wrong. Well, yeah. <laughs> and thing, instead of saying like, forget satellite, I'm gonna go call somebody else. You took the time to say like, hey man, you did this wrong and this is why you did it wrong and this is how you do it better. And you know, it started translating to me, then it translated into the employees that work for me, hopefully, you know, that they're, they're picking up and they're doing things better the way that they're supposed to do it. And um, you actually are gracious enough to do training with my staff as well. So, sure. and, and that's one of the other things we do. So quarterly, we'll have the staff come in to the office and we'll sit down and we'll talk about things, right? Yes. Yeah, so thank but, you. But the main thing is, you know, when we first met, uh, I, you, you were the, a go-getter. You were the guy that I knew that was gonna get out there and if there's something I needed done differently, that I would tell you and you would do it. Right. As opposed to some uh, investigators I've used over the years 
they know best. I'm not going to give you a lip, right? <laughs> right. No, no. Unfortunately, you have yes, some sir. investigators that think they know best, and right. but I know my case. Right. I know what I'm looking for. I'm going to tell you what I'm looking for, and if it doesn't get done right the first time, I'll tell you, hey, can you go back and do it again? Yeah. Because so, this is what I need. So I think that's one of the tips here that we we're going to cover here today, right? Don't be afraid to um, get criticized, right? Have thick skin. So you can't certainly get into an argument with your client over how you think something should be uh, and what they're telling you to do. At the end of the day, there's a reason they're asking for you to do it a certain way and being humble enough to actually just get out there. And, and I, I tell this to my staff all the time. Like I reflect back on a case that I worked on for you for, I don't know, seven or eight years ago where I had to go out like four times. Yeah, to, to go take photos again. Yes, You're like, no, I do I remember did, that. You didn't do it right. This is the way I want it. And it, we're, we're bickering like a married couple, right? But at the end of the day, I was always going to go and do it, you know. Um, well, at the end of the day, I got the photos that I need. You, got, you know, right. Uh, in the case. I, I need to know, I need to get what I need to make the case go forward. Right, right. So that's important. So like one, one of the things that you, you really need to be humble, you can't uh, be easily offended and you got to have thick skin, especially in the legal community, right? So you got all different types of people, all different ages, right? Well, that's very true. And I would just like to say something about ages. You had a certain person who I won't mention her name, who was on your show, mentioned something about attorneys over 50 and their uh, li uh, little knowledge of technology. And But I would just like to say... Rebuttal. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. It's a rebuttal. <laughs> a lot of attorneys over 50 are quite knowledgeable as to technology. I think you might have, might should have said maybe over 60 or 65. I'm not uh, even going to uh, comment on any of that. I'm just going to shake my head and say, and, okay. And by the way, I still dictate. Thank you. There you go, right? It's a little bit of both. He's the best of both worlds. So, okay. So getting, getting back on, on track here. So, um, you know, the other thing that we were talking about was not being afraid to ask questions, right? Even when you're, when you're out on site, when Absolutely. you're meeting with somebody or, or even before you go, um, you know, being, um, just having the foresight to say like, you know what, this isn't my specialty here. I'm really like, I don't understand this no fault law. Is it covered? Is it not covered? Or I don't understand if, is the city going to pay for, if there's a defect case, is the city involved or is a, a homeowner uh, and just being able to ask those questions. Well, well the, the main thing is, especially in the personal injury field, the investigator is the attorney's eyes and ears. We send you to a location, whether it's to sign up a client, whether to get a witness statement, whether to take a measurement, whether it's to take photographs. You are our eyes and ears on scene. If you're interviewing a client for a sign up and something just isn't right. right whether it be something in the background of the person or something about the injury or something about a history of prior accidents or anything of that sort don't be afraid to call yeah. you know i tell the your investigators all the time right. call me from site let yeah. me know what's going on because that can make a difference on whether i'm actually going to accept this case yeah and and i actually i'm the guy out there making the calls often as well so it, it you know i've been doing this you know wow 20 plus years and I'm still making those phone calls. Right, exactly. Got, and, and the thing is, the, the law firms that you want to work with, they're going to appreciate those phone calls. Like oh, sure. Being able to have those conversations. I mean, you're not the only one to have those conversations with. There are many clients that I'd love doing business with them because I'll, they'll say, what do you think, Matt? What, what do you think we got here? You know, and just the fact that they're even considering what I have to say. You know, and I'm making valid points, I guess, but, you know. Well, yeah, that's why I'm saying you're yeah. out there. Your opinion matters. I send you to an intersection that has the lights that aren't timed properly. You're going to tell me that. Yeah. And, I'm, you know, you're, you're going to know what to look for. And if you call me from the site and you're like, well, 
am I looking for this or am I looking for that? I'll tell you what you're looking for, and then you can you can do your job and get right. you know get the information that we need. Or even if it's a, a, a measurement on a stairway, right. you'll you'll be out there. You'll say, you know what? I'm going up and down this stairway, and I can see that the, I can feel myself that the risers aren't proper height, or I can see that this stairway is very wide and there's no middle handrail. You know, yeah. you you are there. Those photographs, those measurements help us. But the fact that you're there, you might be you might see something. Uh, extra that might not come out in the photograph, something right. that has to do with the doorway, or maybe there's a camera over there, or maybe there's across the street there's a camera that might have recorded the event. All of these are on-site things that you have to keep an eye out for. Right. And, and the, more, the more you observe, and this is what I like to say to investigators, the more you observe when you're going to a scene, when you're talking to a person, don't be afraid to ask the next question. Right. Don't be afraid to follow up. So there's a balance there, right? So especially when you're doing a, win a witness interview, right? You, you got to balance on let let them talk, let them tell their story. You know, right. you obviously don't want to interrupt them while they're mid thought because that next sentence may be the one that's going to nail it for you, right? So you got to pick and choose your times to, to go in and know when you got to steer it back in the direction that you need to go to. Sure, or or just you know take a little note while the, the you're doing the statement and just yes. just you know double back to it and say, hey, you know what you said this. What about this particular did you see this or did you see that yeah there's a there's a guy who um who i interviewed a couple weeks ago named john hoda um who does a, he's got a whole video webinar on taking statements and one of the things he did i thought was really interesting is he'll take a statement but then he'll make it a point to do a follow-up interview after a statement's completely written he closes the the statement book he puts all his stuff away and then he starts shooting the breeze with the person right and now it's a more relaxed environment because they're done they've already talked about everything they're going to talk about and he starts interjecting more questions in and he's developing oh, more information. That's it. And he a, says, "Do you mind if I'd make an uh, an addendum here to what we did?" And I was like, "Wow, that's genius, man. That's it, really it is. That's really a great cool. interview style, right?" So it's just psychologically, the person's like, "Okay, I'm, I'm done with doing that. I'm not freaked out anymore." And this is, goes back to the point that you were saying: take your time, don't rush. You know, it's not about getting out there and getting to the next job. Spend the the appropriate amount of time, and if you see a thread that you need to pull on, take the time to pull on that thread. Well, yes, absolutely, but also be prepared before you go take a witness statement, know the type of case you're looking for, right. you're looking at rather. Right. Um, if, it's a, if you need a witness statement on a car accident or, a, or a, a trip and fall, I always tell investigators one of the best uh, references, reference guides as to what you need to get from a witness depending on the case is to take a look at the pattern jury instructions. The pattern jury instructions is what the judge instructs the jury as to whether or not uh, negligence has been right. uh, shown here. Right. And the, 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 if you know what is needed to make out the case, then you have a better idea of what to ask. Now, sometimes you can you can go in and uh, before you even get into the nitty gritty, do like a Q&A with the witness and get an idea of what they know and then start your statement transcription, whether it be written, tape, or otherwise. Right. But do that Q&A off the record, get the idea, and then you know where to go as far as asking more questions. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's definitely different techniques. And, and folks, I, um, I recommend you, you look into that um, John Hoda, the ultimate guide to taking witness statements, I think it is. Okay, so we're going to jump out real quick and take a break. And when we come back in, we're going to cover some more do's and don'ts and talk about some more stories and, and stuff like that. So uh, hang on, we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by the new book, The Art of Investigation. Make sure you check out Matt's chapter on energy. Join Matt and other authors on January 30th at the Mysterious Bookshop. 
in New York City, 6.30 p.m. for a book signing. Details are in the show notes. And welcome back to PI Perspectives. This is Matt, and I'm joined here today by Leo Rianides. Welcome back, Leo. Thank you. All right. So we started covering some do's and don'ts, and uh, you were talking about the pattern jury of instructions. Uh, that's a great, great tip. So, so understanding what a jury is looking at uh, before they uh, are more as they're deliberating uh, to see if they meet certain criteria. That was a nugget that you passed along to me a very long time ago. And man, it's it's tough to read that. Well, yeah, <laughs> it, it really it, is, man. It, it it is a it is a little <laughs> complex reading, but once you get the gist of what you're looking for, sure, um, you know, you it, it makes your case right. it, literally. If you you get a witness statement that gives you all the the elements of that particular type of negligence, right? The lawyer you're working for is going to love you forever. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's kind of what sets you aside from some of the other investigators, right? There are times where I look at witness statements and they're like five, six, seven pages long. And I, I look there and go, wow, a juror has to read this. They, they actually have to take the time to read five, six, seven pages. They're not going to do that. No. <laughs> and two pages tops, right? Right. You, you got to be concise. Right. Uh, you know, get, hit the elements, get the statement relating to the elements, and you're pretty much done. Right. Uh, unless there's something that pops up that you think you should ask about, then right. ask about it. Right. But, you know, there's always, the, there's always that... Uh, the legal uh, phrase here that we we lawyers like to say, if you don't know the answer to the question, don't ask it. Yeah. Because you never know where it's going to take you when you're asking questions of witnesses. Yeah. And I've actually had that happen on a stand where, where I've been, you know, the defense is asking me questions and they're, they ask me questions like, man, you should not have asked that. <laughs> it just opens up a whole Pandora's Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, you also have to be careful. But, but also I'd like to say that, you know, as far as uh, investigators are concerned, um, I, I think there's certain investigators that have a certain niche of what they do best. Right. Um, like there's the guys that can take great witness statements. And, you know, by God, if you can do that, specialize in that. Because, right. uh, you know, you, you can, number one, you can make a fortune from it. Number right. two, um, you'll, you'll help, out, help out the lawyers with their cases tremendously. Right. Uh, there's other guys who are just great at going into a scene, uh, you know, finding a way to take the photographs that nobody else can take finding a way to take the measurements, you know, just getting into a location that you might have to, you know, find a way in somehow or some way that no one else can get into. There's guys that can do that and, you yeah. know, go unnoticed. By all means, if you're that guy, specialize in that, advertise that, because that's key to a lot of attorneys doing different types of work, not just yeah. personal injury. Yeah, that's a great point. So, um, you know, finding your niche, and that's something that, that I've talked about before on, on prior episodes, you know, Try not to do, you know, a thousand things three times. It's better to do three things a thousand times because you'll be really good at it. So finding that that specialty and, and leaving it, you know, leaving the, the stuff that you're not qualified for to somebody else. And, you know, that that goes back to the whole thing on networking, right? So if you network and you, you meet people that can do things that you don't do, you're able to service whatever call that comes in, just not you, right? It's somebody else. And they're doing the proper job instead of you trying to like, you know, do a half job, you know, like not, not being qualified to do it. So I think that's a great tip too. just sticking to something you're really good at. And it doesn't even have to be like micro to like only do statements or only do photographs. I think like, you know, don't try and do criminal defense work if you're doing personal injury work. Right. right? That, don't. I, well, yes. That's don't try and be true. a. a pro, well, I mean, some people do process server, but you know, if you if you want to make that a career, then be the best process server you bet you could be out there. Right. Exactly. Um, it, it's like the attorneys that that move um, to a smaller town. Right. They go from being the just a, 
a, a personal injury attorney to now they got to do closings, they got to do all this other stuff. Right, they become they the general attorney, and you know they're you know what do they say? Um, you're uh, you're um, what's that saying? You're a master of none if you're a uh, Oh, I forgot now. <laughs> we'll fix it in post. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll fix it in post. Yes, we'll fix it in post. That old saying is, jack of all trades, master of none. Carry on. Yeah, I think, you know, just uh, keeping the open line of communications between the investigator and the attorney is another thing that's really important, right? So not only asking questions, but I think a big mistake that uh, investigators make is taking the assignment in and just not giving regular updates. So... You know there are ways around it now. So there, there are, are um, uh, there's software out there, right? Uh, Cross Tracks is one of them, uh, where uh, you can give a code or uh, the ability for the attorney to log in and get an update. But to me, like I, I like giving a personal email or, or a telephone call. Like, sure, there's times that I'll, I will, you know, I will say, oh wait, um, Matt was going to follow up on this or follow up on that. But here you go. Next thing I know, I get an email with what I was thinking about and. Okay whatever software you're using for those reminders it's great well the good thing is is that i'm not getting yelled at right so i must be doing something right you're probably gearing up to be like hey what's going on with this you right, well, so exa- exactly my late night emails to matt in all caps say hey, what happened with this what happened with that that's never happened no, no. i don't know i don't know what you're talking about yeah no i don't know either you know <laughs> Yeah, just having that open line of communication. And sometimes the scope of the job changes, right? So as you're giving that update and saying, hey, you know, this is what's going on with this case. And now all of a sudden, maybe they've heard from the insurance carrier and, and then there's not a big uh, policy or, or maybe there is a big policy. And now like, oh, I'm glad you're calling me or give me an update because now release the hounds. Let's go get everything that we need to get. Right, exactly. You know? yeah. So that's different, too. And I think one of the other things, too, is overcharging, right? Mm. Um or just not so much overcharging, but being consistent, right? Well, well yeah, consistency is key because all of a sudden, if I see a bill and I'll be like, "Wait a minute, why is this charged so much?" and it doesn't really much have an explanation. First thing you know, I'm on the phone with Matt. I'm saying, "What's going on here?" Well, you know, I'll say, "Well, you know, if you were already there doing this, you know, and you're already on location, but you decided to do this, this, and this as well, why are you charging me twice for being on location?" Yeah, I, I would never do that. No, but I'm just saying. Happen. Right. Uh, that, so, you know, as an example. Well, that, you know, and that's the thing. Like, there are many times where I've taken over accounts where investigators have done that. You know, it's like, oh, I signed them to go get a witness statement. And next thing you know, I got a $2,000 bill and no witness statement. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like, what did the guy do? I don't understand. Uh, so, like, being consistent with your billing. So, um, you know, obviously don't, as an investigator, don't ever apologize for your rate, right? So we are what we are. We have our experience. You're paying for that domain knowledge. You're the expertise of what you do. Uh, the same way an attorney charges a fee for what they do. This is the, the going rate for it. We don't apologize for it. It kind of, it is what it is. Um, but being consistent, like not looking at a case going, wow, okay, so this is a death case and there's a municipality involved and I know they're going to get, you know, Ten million dollars on this case, I could slip in a twenty thousand dollar bill. You know, like don't do that. Yeah, no, no, that, that's that's not proper. <laughs> don't no. do that. That's but, a, but itemize. You know, yeah. this way the attorney knows exactly what you did. You know, like that case with the two thousand dollar no witness statement. Well, maybe the investigator went out to the location or three different locations five times. Right. That's a lot of time. Right. So that's, but, you know, as long as it's explained and itemized, you well, should be fine. See, the proper thing to do is after the third time is to reach the attorney and say, I've been out there three times already. Yeah. You know, what do you want me to do here? Right. Well, so, yes, exactly. You know, going back to the whole idea of you got to communicate and you got to get things going. So, you know, communication is always um, 
important there. And, you know, also not over promising on things, right? Don't sell yourself out to be something that you're not. I think that's, that's and don't tell me you can do something when you can't. Right. Because then I'll expect it and then you'll hear something. Right. (laughs) That's never happened. No, no. (laughs) Let's talk about uh, some of the cases here. Um, I know there's one I can think on the top of my head where where investigation kind of, you know, nailed things down for you. Um, One that comes to mind is the the one with the theater and the, the video on the step. Um, up in Poughkeepsie. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's something I've, I've actually highlighted before. So uh, they've heard my story on it. Uh, uh, so it, it was your case. So, you know, walk me through that, how that... Well, that was, was that was actually a tile on a sidewalk outside a theater, a theater if I'm yeah. not mistaken. And yeah. the interesting thing is when you when you walk by that tile and you're looking at it, you don't really see anything wrong with it. Right. But when you step on it, one side goes down an inch and a half and the other side pops up about right. an inch and a half. Right. And without you know someone really noticing and taking a, a video of the motion of that particular tile and measuring it while it's up on one side and while it's down on another, right. um, you, you, how are you going to make your case if you don't have the defect that you're looking for there? Right. You know, the client says, hey, I was walking there and I stepped on this tile and next thing you know, that went up on one side and caught my heel and I went down and I broke my arm and this and I had surgery. Okay, so I send Matt up there. I said, Matt, this is where the tile is. This is the sidewalk. I want you to go up there. I want you to tell me what's going on. You know, and, and I got a call from Matt. He says, first glance, there's nothing, doesn't look like there's anything wrong with this thing. Right. But once you, you sent me the video of you pressing down one side and watching it pop up on the other side, I was like, oh, that's our case. Yeah, we're done. Right, right there, <laughs> yeah. right there. That was it. That was, uh, and I uh, actually, I think I referred that case to you to begin with, too. Oh. So I was very happy on that one. It okay. looked like a million bucks. Uh, oh, yes. So it's crazy, yeah, how, how video uh, helps connect the dots uh, so often. And, yeah, it's one of the things I've talked about with social media, too, how there's uh, all these posting sites out there and the ways to get uh, different in- information. And, uh, you know, one of the things also that I appreciate doing business with you is, um, you forward me things, right? Like, hey, this is a good thing to, you know, like, you know, look into this. <laughs> True. Yeah. No, if I see something interesting uh, having to do with the investigation or the PI field or uh, personal injury law, and I, I think it could be helpful, I'll, I'll send you whatever it might be, the article, the, the posting, whether it be on, uh, you know, one of the legal sites or anything of that sort. Yeah, even, uh, and I'll do the same thing. So it's like if I see a motion or something came out or a ruling, let's say Facebook changed, you know, you know, uh, there was a big ruling that came out on what's discoverable and that's discoverable. I'm, I'm sending to you saying, hey, you know, I'm not sure if you read this in the law journal, but, you know, this is out there. And, like, having that type of relationship with with an attorney is, is really important if, if you're servicing attorneys, right? If you're doing that kind of business, just being able to have that open dialogue and communication, again, that goes goes back to how uh, how important that is. Tell me, tell me something else. Another mistake that uh, you feel like attorneys make that, or I'm sorry, that who, who? <laughs> Freudian slip. Uh, 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 who? Who? Yeah, give me a mistake that attorneys make when uh, dealing uh, with investigators. <laughs> they don't yell at them enough. That's right. what it is. They don't hire satellite, right? Well, that's big, true too. Big mistake. A big mistake not to hire satellite investigations. No. So, so give me, um, give me a, a mistake you think that investigators, um, in your experience over the years. Um, you know, maybe they sold themselves short or, or didn't. Well, it's hard to say that, you know, I've, I've dealt with uh, before I was dealing with you and, and your people, I was dealing with uh, different investigators who 
you know, some were retired uh, law enforcement, right. some were uh, straight investigators, might have went to uh, uh, John Jay or something of that sort. And you Careful, know, buddy. Got, <laughs> got their licenses. But, you know, a lot of times they did overpromise. Um, right. And the next thing you know, though, if they... Or they were just late in getting you whatever you needed, right. um, and you know you gave them you gave an assignment two weeks or three weeks earlier, and you still don't have a word right. on that assignment from your investigator. Right. Now that time it it's, it can sometimes make or break a case. Right. You know sometimes with with within a, a week we see a sidewalk that gets paved that and the happened. defect is gone. It, it has you happened. Know, yeah. That, of, of an incident. In so New York it happens all the exactly. time. Exactly. So if I'm yeah. sending you out to do something, I expect it to be done, you know, right. shortly, you know, within within 3-4 days tops. I don't expect it I don't expect to wait especially a witness statement because you know those witnesses disappear depending sure. on the case. Yeah. I I want it done with, you know within a reasonable time, you know, 3-4 days maybe if you can't find the witness, fine, 5 days, whatever it might be. Well, but, you know, it's interesting you're saying that because I think that's a mistake that attorneys may make sometimes um, with investigations, right? Is not getting a statement quick enough. And I think if an investigator has the foresight to really push that in the beginning and say, hey, I strongly recommend you, you memorialize this person's version like early on. Like it's a way for an, an investigator to get extra income, and it could well, establish sure. liability for, uh, for absolutely. The no, I, I see that. That's why when if you're doing a sign up for a personal injury attorney, and now you find out from the the uh, the, the claimant that there's hey might be a possible witness here, possible witness there. Right. You know, the first thing you should do is get on the horn with the attorney and say, "Do you want me to go and find this guy? I'm in the neighborhood. Right. Uh, do you want me to canvas? You want me to go knock on doors? You right. know." And my answer is usually, yeah. Usually, yes. Let's do it. Yeah. I mean, there's some guys out there that want to wait for, well, let's see what the carrier has and let's get a... Well, you, you know what it comes it's down a to? a dangerous game doing it that no, way. No, it's a dangerous game. And um, and I hate to say this, but some lawyers just don't want to spend the money up front. Right. And, um, and if you don't spend the money up front, you can't build the case that you need to build. So sometimes, you know, you, 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 you go to trial with a case that somebody handed to you and everything is not there. Right. And you find out, you're looking at the initial write-ups and you're saying, wow, there's this witness. Why don't we have a statement? Right. Why wasn't there a subpoena? Why wasn't there a deposition? And now you're going to trial you know, with your hat in hand, basically. And yeah, yeah, yeah. To me, like, I think it's standard practice. As an investigator, you know, when, you, when you're getting that assignment, to always have a follow-up recommendations. You know, like, this is what you need to do. This is how, uh, you know, what else we recommend to do on this case. And sometimes they do it, sometimes they don't. You know, if it's a heavier case, obviously it makes sense to do it. There's some clients I work with where I have carte blanche, you know, to do it. If I feel it needs to be done, it'll get done, and I don't even have to make that phone call. Well, you know, as attorneys, we have, you know, depending on the on the cases on our intake sheets, you know, we have lists of things that we're looking for. Yeah. You know, I was, I'd was i say it might behoove investigators to do the same. Yeah. If, you know, for the type of uh, work that you do, have a checklist of things. Yeah. And, and yeah. if you don't get asked to do it, why don't you say, hey, would you want me to do this too? You know, because it's probably related. And it's if the it's, upsell. Come on, people. That's get not, some money. Well, <laughs> you call it the upsell. I, I call it making a case. Yeah, there you go. It's you an know? upsell for you too, buddy. <laughs> exactly. You know, so it, it doesn't hurt to have your own checklist to make a recommendation to an attorney. Don't be, true. Don't be afraid of us, yeah. you know? Well, I think it's funny, like in your uh, check sheet, everything's in caps and exclamation points. Well, <laughs> well there, there are sections of it that are all bolded and underlined <laughs> in caps. Yes. Basically, it means this means you, Matt. <laughs> 
dot, dot, dot. <laughs> well, 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 early on, well, you know, granted, my particular sign-up sheets are, are uh, lengthy and, and ask very extensive questions uh, for the investigator to uh, inquire about at the scene when, when they're talking to a client and signing them up. Uh, but there was things that I was, I was getting back sign-up sheets that didn't have the information. Right. And I said, well, you know, this was a slip and fall case. What kind of shoes was she wearing? Yeah. You know, all right, next next version of the sign-up sheet in bold caps. Get a picture of the shoes she was wearing. All right. You know. So, so full, full disclosure here, I would sit there at those appointments and just go, what would Leo ask? What would Leo ask? <laughs> like, what is he, he going to ask for me next? I got to make sure I have an answer for him before I get on the phone with him. I know what he's going to ask me, so I'm. you better be sure I'm going to ask all those questions. Well, well, well but that's smart. Yeah, I learned by experience. Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. smart. You yeah. know, and, and the more you know as for what to ask while you're there, you know, yeah. the less I'll yell at you. Well, no, it's all good. And we, we, we kid about the only thing. So, uh, you know, what it comes down to is something you said earlier before we even turn, this, turn the microphones on, right? Simplicity is not acceptable. Right. You know, it's just doing a half-baked job, not following through and doing everything you need to do. Like, there's no, there's no room for it, right? It doesn't service your account. It doesn't service the case. It doesn't bring a good light to the investigator. You know, getting out of the mentality of, I got to get done with this thing and get on to my next job, you can't be that way. And if you are that way, maybe you're taking on too much work. Well, yeah, I, I, the one thing I would say is never hurry through a sign-up. Never hurry through a scene investigation photos right. because you're not going to get the right ones. Yeah. You're not going to get the right angle. You might end up with some blurred ones. And even if, let's say somebody comes along, a security guard or a manager somewhere, wherever it is, and starts shooing you away, fine. You know what? Get as many shots as you can and do do what you can. You can take shots of them shooing you away. Exactly. And it's, it's understandable <laughs> when that something like that happens. It but happen. when yeah. you're there and you're just in a hurry because yeah. maybe you've got another appointment, maybe you want to go to lunch, whatever it might be, right. you know, that's not acceptable. You know, totally. it's not ac the quality of the work just suffers and it's just not acceptable. Exactly. Exactly. So that's definitely things you want to avoid. Um, okay, so I think uh, that that pretty much covers it. I mean, is there anything else? Uh, parting shots from uh, Mr. Personal Injury, <laughs> personal injury Attorney? <laughs> no, no, no parting shots in, in any particular sense of the word. Uh, but um, what, what, what I do like is the fact that you do bring your personnel in and we do have our training sessions. It's important. Yeah. Uh, and and what I, I use real-world examples because, you know, the, your, your, your personnel have gone out on sites for me and there might have been a, a situation where, hey, you know what? When you get to a, a defect and it's a height level uh, difference, you got to get on the ground. Yeah, you got to get that measurement. So that's another mistake, actually. That, that I'm glad you bring that up, right? You know, it's everyone's been using phones these days. They've gotten away from using the big cameras. And I, I get it. You know, it, right. sometimes it calls for it, sometimes it doesn't call for it, but. 75 to 80 percent of the time we're using our phones right but you can't take a, a, a shot on the ground with your phone no Just, you no you, you need to you need to have some kind of uh, better camera than your phone camera to get the really good shots especially when it comes to defects that are low to the ground that you need height measurements or even just, you know, depending on where you are, stairways and stuff like that. Right. You know, your phone in a dark stairwell isn't going to do well. No, but if you have a, you know, um, a digital SLR with you that you can adjust the uh, the ASA and the and the aperture setting, you're going to get a nice shot. 
You're speaking a foreign language, sir. No, stop it. I'm sure many of your investigators who listen to the podcast are really quite good with their cameras. What's an f-stop? I don't know. Oh, stop it. <laughs> um, it. It's a good point, you know, um, knowing when to use that. And I covered that in the, in the photography uh, episode that I did. You know, you basically let, let the assignment dictate the type of equipment that you're using. Sure. You're and, you know, if you, and if you know you're going to go see a plaintiff who's got scarring, significant scarring, take a good camera. Yeah. Don't use a phone, yeah. you know, because I don't care which version of the iPhone or the Samsung or whatever you have. Uh, it's not going to do justice. The Blackberry Passport. That took some good photos. <laughs> Actually, it took some really great photos. Stop making fun of my Blackberry <laughs> that, that I Blackberry? no longer have. <laughs> really? Finally. Uh, okay. So, hey, man, I appreciate you taking the time to come in here and, and talk with, uh, with everybody. I know it's belaboring the point sometimes on some of these issues, but you, you just can't stress how important it is. And these are the things that, that make you successful at what you do. And that the whole idea and the spirit of doing these podcasts and these shows is, is to make people in the community better, like help them along to, to do better. Uh, I wish y'all could get see, uh, continuing education credits for it. And <laughs> maybe one day they'll, they'll make a provision for that, but that's, uh, that's not where we're at today. So thanks, Leo. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thanks for checking out this episode. So much valuable information. It's great to see the perspectives from both sides of the assignment. We want to thank Leo for chatting with us. Leo's firm is actually one of the few firms that service the 9-11 Zodraga Illness Fund. If you have a family member or friend that has been struggling with 9-11 type illnesses, please reach out to Leo today. His contact info is in our show notes. A special thank you to the Art of Investigation and Satellite Investigations for sponsoring this episode. Next week, Matt welcomes the Intermountain PI, Scott Fulmer, from Utah. Scott, the host from the Intermountain PI podcast, will discuss tips for rural surveillances and his book, Confessions of a Private Eye. And as we said at the top of this episode, don't forget Matt's call to action to like, share, and subscribe to the channel. Have a great week. Thanks for tuning in to PI Perspectives.